0: Hey guys, it's me, it's Robin O'Neill. This is me reading stuff coming at you Thursday night, late night. Oh, it just turned midnight, so sorry about that. You know, I've been on a pretty much, not quite, but almost nocturnal schedule and it's driving me crazy. I keep doing everything in my power to go to sleep at, at about this time or I keep thinking throughout the day all right maybe at 11 I'll start winding down reading in bed It's not happening. I'm staying up until usually 4:30, 4 anywhere from like 3:30 to 4:30 a.m and getting up at... I don't even want to say, because it's too upsetting to me. Uh, You know, and I used to be able to do all sorts of things. like I I would stay up until that time and get up at 7.30 and get back to work. Now, I'm also more responsible uh, with, let's say, trying to be on top of my emails. Just tax stuff is coming up, quarterly tax things. Um just other various things, even cleaning, even, you know, regularly cleaning the sink in a deep way, regularly cleaning out my closet, regularly donating to Goodwill, regularly vacuuming, dusting. Um, oh, I've been making sure the kitchen is completely clean every night before I go to bed. So I'm, you know, I'm also, I'm practicing yoga again, I'm happy to announce. Um, and so all of these things are good, but They're they're the healthy ways to live, but they don't... I'm gonna just say it. I become a worse artist when I do these things. Sorry. You can think what you will, but... Because I'm better when I'm, like, working and completely immersed and not thinking about anything else, but you can't do that forever, and you can't do that and live a good life. So, as usual, I'm battling that whole demon which is what's more important. And you know what? I think they're just going to kind of rise and fall. And right now I'm, I'm really needing to be pretty balanced. But I'm also like edging towards it's go time, working towards my next solo show. So I'm getting a little nervous. It's just every day I'm running on empty and I, I'm doing things nonstop and I feel like I've not accomplished anything. Part of that also, I have to say, Now, some of you follow me on Instagram and a lot of you were very curious about what I was posting about on my stories concerning a certain crochet tutorial person on uh, YouTube because I was posting a lot of videos of this young woman and I'm debating whether or not I want to call her out, her her channel's name out. I'm gonna play it by ear because I would like to reach out to her first, and um, I'm very so I'm very obsessed with this YouTube channel, and I have always crocheted since I was a kid. my My mom taught me, and I loved it. I did some crochet type sculptures in college. They were horrible. Actually, one was cool and I wish I would have saved it. It was a giant lamp that was crocheted it's hard to explain it was humongous and crazy looking but i got rid of that in one of my moves um and now but i've never done a traditional granny square afghan when i say that if you don't know what that is that's like what you think of when you think of an afghan oh i know if you've ever seen the show roseanne it's what it's that's an afghan that's a granny square afghan on their uh whatever on their couch so It's a whole long story. I had this afghan my mom made, and then I thought I lost it, and I didn't lose it, and she's going to send it back to me. But that whole fear of me losing it got me thinking about this whole thing. And I, you know, so I started, I decided, all right, this time you're going to do it right. Because I've made tons of blankets, but they were not done right. They were using all these different yarns, and I didn't, I didn't, I just kind of free-formed it. And this time I wanted it to work. I wanted to be able to wash it and have it not shrink in some areas and stay the same in other areas. So I looked up this pattern and I'm following it. I mean, I'm doing my own thing color-wise, but I'm trying to be good about following a pattern. And I had to look a certain something up and I fell on this young woman's page. And she has quickly become my biggest obsession that I think I've ever had in my life, which is saying a lot because that's all I do is add on a new obsession, like every, I would say it's like every three to four weeks, there's something new that I'm kind of can't live without, but I've never quite felt, I don't know, this is not a romantic uh, statement, I've never felt like this about anybody, anybody in my life, and I i don't know what to do about it like i almost recorded her an audio letter this week just wanting to say hey this is what i she's uh an expert on a lot of things she learned to crochet because she liked she loves the monkeys and she likes mike nesmith and if you know the monkeys you know he always wears this one kind of crocheted hat like a ski cap type of thing and she wanted to make one so she learned to crochet Then, she's also obsessed with Liza Minnelli, like, to an extreme degree. She's obsessed with the Beatles. She's obsessed with lip balm of all kinds. Like, there are over, I think, maybe 300 or 400 lip balm reviews by her. Um, And anyway, you get to see her kind of grow up, because she's been doing this for 10 years. And, you know, very small amount of viewership and... Anyway, so that's my new obsession, and then I've been crocheting, but the sad part about that, speaking of time and how I'm running out of time and how I'm obsessed with time and how I'm stressed out and exhausted, well, crocheting isn't exactly a break from my normal detailed work I do with my right hand. Crocheting's the same thing, basically. (laughs) So I love how I picked something. You know, what I should have picked is, like, join a softball tournament or uh, go swimming or volunteer somewhere where I'm not just using my right hand in a, in a clinched detail oriented way, but no, I'm just doing some more tiny little detailed stuff. So it's a, it's an, it's a mess, but that's what I love. And this feels fun to have a hobby. I, I don't really do that. I get into modes of crocheting. You know, the last time I did this has been a long time ago, probably a decade ago and I made a giant Afghan, but anyway, all right. I need to read to you guys. And today I'm going to be reading a very short thing from The Living Mountain by Nan Shepherd. This is a, the can Canons book. I'll put a link in the description where you can find it. Um, and I want to really thank my friend Tyler, Tyler Bright Hilton, uh, check out his beautiful artwork. I've mentioned him on here before. Uh, he's from Toronto and, uh, Man, he's one of my favorite artists, and now that I've gotten to know him, really through the podcast at first, uh, it's been a wonderful friendship. So, he got me this book, and he was very right to do so, and it's been a while, but it's weird that I haven't read from it yet. So, I was just kind of thinking, as I take walks almost every dusk hour... Um, I was thinking about this book, although this book, Nan, uh, Shepherd was a Scottish writer and she was really a uh, big nature, she was a hiker in the Scottish mountain, like I think the Highlands, is that what they, is that what they're called? <laughs> Scottish listeners? Um, I've been, one of my favorite places, um, on earth is Scotland actually. What, what was my favorite place? Um, near oban oh man what was it called uh it was the most beautiful glencoe i would like to die in glencoe i'd like to have a little tiny little house in glencoe well anyway so yeah Nan shepherd wrote this is she wrote novels but this was a a nonfiction work about her, her walking through um the i think it's called the Kergorm Mountains. I'm probably pronouncing that wrong, but in the 1940s. So I'll just read you this one paragraph that I had underlined. At first I had thought that this lightness of body was a universal reaction to rarer air. It surprised me to discover that some people suffered malaise at alt altitudes that released me, but were happy in low valleys where I felt extinguished. Then I began to see that our devotions have more to do with our psychological I'm sorry, physiological peculiarities than we admit. I am a mountain lover because my body is at its best in the rarer air of the heights and communicates its elation to the mind. The obverse of this would seem to be exemplified in the extreme of fatigue I suffered while walking some two miles underground in the Ardennes Cavern. This was plainly no case of a weary mind communicating its fatigue to the body, since I was enthralled by the strangeness and beauty of these underground cavities. Add to this eyes, the normal focus of which is for distance, and my delight in the expanse of space opened up from the mountaintops becomes also a perfect physiological adjustment. The short-sighted cannot love mountains as the long-sighted do. The sustained rhythm of movement in a long climb has also its part in inducing the sense of physical well-being, and this cannot be captured by any mechanical mode of ascent. Uh, I had a, So that's the end of what I'm going to be reading you tonight, and I'm sorry I went over 10 minutes again, but the thing here, this line, then I began to see that our, that our devotions have more to do with our physiological peculiarities than we admit. Um, I have that start, and I wrote TV next to it (laughs) because I talk about this often. Um, This has nothing to do with any physical activity, but when I talk to students at universities when I do lectures and stuff um, and I go to their studios and anyone who expresses sort of dismay at, I don't know, I just... I don't want to do this. I mean, I'm doing, I want to make art, but I'm not happy doing it this way or whatever. There's a lot of iffiness going on, you know, in a lot of people. And usually I'll find a way to say, you know, try to get to the bottom of what makes you tick and make your work in that way. If you're social, you got to make work that's somehow involving people. If you're, for me, I have to completely tune out the world and listen to strangers, either actors or what, or, you know, like my new YouTube obsession, talk. It's just how I am. That is what makes me make the work I make. It's a direct reasoning for it. Um, If I, for whatever reason, I, I don't know. I don't know if I'm describing this right, but... I remember being in graduate school in Chicago and realizing that when I stepped away from the studios and into my apartment, working on a table with a view out my window and the TV on, usually with cops and Gilmore girls on nonstop, that's when I birthed my earliest drawings that became this whole series that became my work. And I, uh, it just occurred to me like, oh, you got to be content and you've got to be in your element. And physiologically speaking, I'm in my element when I'm in a comfort zone. I just am. You know, I want to be wearing my comfortable clothes. I don't want anyone looking at me. I don't want to have to talk to anyone. I want to have water and coffee and food easily accessible. And I want a cat near me. And I've had that ever since <laughs> ever since those days in Chicago. So Anyway, that's my stuff about that. I also could talk endlessly about this book. I really loved this book. Thank you, Tyler, again. Um, I could talk endlessly about what it means to walk and just not necessarily be in nature, but for me being outdoors, since I am a devoted walker, um, the intimacy with which I know my neighborhood at this point is kind of nuts. Like, there's this one thing I walk, this one office building I walk by every night. And I now, I have noticed this one desk. Some The person's already gone by the time I'm walking by. But there's one desk that I see. <clears throat> for some reason, I've noticed, like, every Tuesday and Thursday, there's a long stem rose on this person's desk. But not on any other day. And it's just, it's a quiet nobody's in there i don't understand it but i know that's happening on tuesdays and thursdays <laughs> um there's a whole lot of other things i could tell you like that but i love walking and i love life <laughs> just kidding do i i do in moments man i really love life but for the most part i'm just going what the hell is going on I'm always finding you, he- every day I laugh. I've always told people that no matter how dark I get, I can't, I laugh at stuff all day long and not in a sarcastic way. I genuinely find a lot of things funny. All right, I, first of all, this is the end. We've gotten to the end of this episode. I wanted to say, <coughs> excuse me, thank you, thank you to Wendy RC one Okay, she got on Apple Podcasts and took the time to write a review of this podcast, and it made my day. Thank you, Wendy. First of all, I already love you, Wendy, because your name is Wendy, which is my favorite name in the world because my mom's name is Wendy. And did you know that your name, Wendy, didn't exist until Peter Pan was written? I love that fact about your name. That was a made-up name, and it's a beautiful name. Uh, I also want to remind you, everybody in L.A., this Sunday, September 2nd, at 3 p.m., I will be giving a reading of my own writing at Pop Pop Bookstore. I Also, by the way, it appears I will have copies of my book, Robin O'Neill, 20 Years of Drawings, available for purchase, which has not happened yet in L.A., so that's kind of exciting. And as always, you can check me out on Instagram and Twitter at R-O-B-Y-N underscore O-N-E-I-L. I want you guys to take it easy, be strong, be gentle with yourselves, drink a lot of water, go pet whatever your favorite animal is, read a book for an hour alone this weekend. Just shut, just get your phone out of your face. Read without looking anything up on your phone. Okay? Deal? All right, I'm going to do it, too. I'm talking to myself here. All right, I love you guys. Thank you for listening, and thank you again, Wendy. Uh, Thank you to anybody else who is going to be writing a review, and thank you for listening. Bye-bye.